0: We're momming today with Jimmy Thayla, host of Fox Across America. Hey, hey, hey. In his studio. Whoa. This is so weird, Jimmy. You're, I'm, I'm the guest in your studio, but you're my guest on my podcast. <laughs> so it's kind of weird. And there's something in front of you that says, it's your driver's license, my, vehicle oh. operator's license. Oh, that's my
1: taxi driver's license. Oh. This is kind of like every every get together we do in this studio. It's more of like to put it on parent terms. It's a play date. The toys are here. There's artifacts from my career. Who's
0: hosting this one? Yeah,
1: we're having a radio play date. I mean, I'm s- essentially we're having it at my house, but you're in charge. This That's is true. your show. This is your. I'll clean show. up. I'll
0: clean up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Clearly, no one has here before, so that would be historic. And,
0: and provide the snacks. Oh, you're the best. Um, you have one son.
1: One son. How Lincoln, old? Lincoln Fela is thirteen. Oh wow. Yes, he just uh, he just turned thirteen. He's a young thirteen, but he's a mutant. He's six foot four. <laughs> <laughs> like he's got the kind of height where we're going we're we're contemplating selling him to a circus on the deep web. We haven't gotten the right offer yet. We've gotten, you know, a couple of tickles, but oh, we'll see. We'll man.
0: see. The is other. he expected to grow more? What does the doctor say? I mean, he's at
1: an age where yes, they think he could be a six six or a six seven kid. So he has a very he has a very baby face, but he towers over me. I'm about six one. He towers over me. Wow. So there's that.
0: Well, he's the boss now. Stomp it. I, I, I wanted yeah, it you is. to come on my podcast in your studio mm-hmm. because of what's. We're living in the age of rage, man. Oh, yeah. You can't say anything. (laughs) Anything. And you have an army... You know, weaponized on social media, coming mm. out and forced to attack you. Yes. Physically.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, that's a thing. When I was at the Tampa Improv this past Thursday, and they had a bouncer on either side of the stage. It was so bizarre. It was almost like you felt like you had won the presidency and you have Secret Service now when you give a speech. Because <laughs> I've never done that before. Did
0: you think you were going to get hit?
1: And I actually didn't. I, I've said this. Uh, you know, everybody worries about people storming the stage. But if you're a you know, Fox News radio host, 99% of my audience is armed. So if you're on the <laughs> stage, I'm like worried about the guy. I'm not worried about me. I'm worried about the the heckler. I really am. And I sometimes say that at the start of the show. I'm like, behave.
0: OK, so people are wondering, why is Jimmy on a momming podcast? Mm-hmm. And my answer is, I think our kids have gotten overly sensitive.
1: Oh, yeah. Definitely. How?
0: You know, we're looking at the, you know, Will Smith mm-hmm. slaps Chris Rock at the Oscars of all places. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. A, a place of decorum. Uh Dave Chappelle, yep. <laughs> someone stormed his stage. Th- this is what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. This is what our kids are learning. Yep. It's not normal, but it's kind of been normalized. Yes. How do we raise children to have humor?
1: Well, I think a big, and to calm down. Well, I think a big part would be just teaching them to discern the difference between a joke and a hate crime. Because one of the reasons people you know, really started to get outraged by comedians is because they were taking jokes too seriously. Like humor, comedy, you're really supposed to treat it like a buffet. You know, you know, when you walk through the buffet, you got a tray. If you see a joke you like, you throw it on the tray. If you don't mm-hmm. like it, you just keep walking. The next guy gets his own tray. He'll throw whatever he wants on the tray. The problem we have now is people at the joke buffet stop and argue with each individual chef. They're like, whose idea was the mac and cheese? I don't want mac and cheese. And there's this sense of self-importance now that someone. Where did that come from? This is where I think it came from, for real. When comedy left the comedy club and made its way onto the internet. At first, we were like, this the is- COVID? Am-. No, no. Uh, to be specific, social media and YouTube took comedy- from speci- from only in a comedy club. You used to see stand-up comedy in two places. You either went out to a club, you know. Had to a, buy
0: two drinks. Yeah, bought
1: a two-drink minimum and watched a comic and all shook hands on the basic bargain that, hey, you know, none of this is serious. We're all out to laugh. Might and insult me.
0: You I'll might. love it. Yeah, Whatever. Great, right?
1: Yeah, you'd be you'd be good audience. I can see it <laughs> oh, on great you. great audience. No, no, yeah, you, you can say anything the, to you me. You want the beat down. There's, there's, <laughs> there's 15 minutes of comedy sitting next to me if anyone's headlining <laughs> this weekend. It's an easy 15. Um, but stick with me. And I think when comedy escaped the club onto the internet, It started to get consumed by people who weren't in that mindset. You know, they weren't consuming uh, jokes after having two drinks and watching an opening act and an MC. They were just on their way to work looking at a joke or they were at work looking at a joke on their phone. And it was kind of like jokes started to get consumed with a boardroom mentality instead of a comedy club mentality.
0: I'm with you with that. Uh I'm following all of that and I agree with it. But my count, I would just push back. You know, the oh. guy or girl on, his, on their way to work, don't they have other things to do than get so offended? I would like about to think something? so. But here's
1: the thing we've incentivized outrage. Ugh. Outrage used to be annoying, it's still annoying deep down. Like, we're all annoyed by the, pro- like, there's no party claiming, like, what we call cancel culture. Mm-hmm. The Democrats aren't like, we're like, we're with them because they know they're toxic. Um, and collectively, human nature was always to shun the person ruining the party for everybody else. Oh, you're outraged? Get out of here. But we've started to reward outrage in that people now say, like, I'm offended. Give me something. You know, I'm, I want a promotion at work. I want some kind of concession from the CEO. And because of incentivized outrage, I would argue that there aren't as many people offended as there are people acting offended. I think on a parent level, though, I think our kids are in that other mindset where they don't see the difference between acting offended for currency and actually being offended. They don't see the nuance of this issue. Hmm. I think our kids have been taught, you know, rather than the whole sticks and stones will break my bones thing and names will never hurt me, I think our kids are being taught the names are the issue. And I think that's the biggest challenge right now So we have a lot of kids being raised in a mindset of any slight is now a lifelong trauma. And when you think of the slights and indignities we suffered as kids, I mean, we said horrific. I used to say things to kids in in class that I wouldn't say to you if we were prison bunkmates celebrating our 10th anniversary. Were you a bully? Not at all. But we talked a lot of smack. You know, I was like a fat little (laughs) kid. I took a lot of heat. You were bullied. No, I was. Yeah, I took (laughs) all the heat in the world. Yeah, I was just, that's all.
0: How we can teach parents, parents listening right now on on what we can tell our children to, you know, accept what comes comes at them. I'm completely confused as a mom of a six-year-old girl. That's yeah, a tough one. That's true. And two younger kids. We'll have that one are mommy today. Comes back right after this. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. And we're back on We're Momming today with Jimmy Fela in his Fox Across America studio. There it is. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um
1: what a fine guest. The bunk cake was wonderful. Thank you for well,
0: <laughs> I actually don't have a kitchen right now. We're living in the well. Ba- oh, we're living in the basement. That's a long story. <laughs> it shouldn't be too much longer. Just think supply chain. Um <laughs> What do you tell your son about mm-hmm. how to how to deal with issues that happen, you know, in the playground, at school, on his team?
1: The biggest thing I try to tell him is to make sure everybody understands he's bargaining in good faith. What I mean by that is that's an obligation you have as a broadcaster and a comedian because we're living uh, in a minefield where the potential for someone getting upset or there being some type of conflict, especially as like a Fox News comedian who goes on the road, it's always imperative that they know you're coming from a good place. And I think the key to making sure they know that is to genuinely come from a good place. So I'm always telling my son to think beyond the moment that he's in because, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time. I'm driving a taxi, and I've seen a lot of people make short-term decisions in a time of conflict, over a conflict they didn't care about. Oh, someone cut you off on 8th Avenue. You're never going to see the guy again. Should you really get out of the car and get in a fight? You might die. Like, why would you? And what did you really care? By the end of your shift, you don't even remember getting cut off. But in that moment- That's a great analogy. but, But this is what happens. I think we're all such a prisoner of the moment now. Because our phone is so carefully curated to make us all feel like the center of the universe, so any slight to us is like, how could we possibly let it go? I'm the king of Apple. I'm the king of the yeah. iPhone X. How could you possibly that offer the this phone affront? makes us
0: feel yes. like we are the center of our little universe? Mm-hmm. Yet, it for young children. Mm-hmm. Actually, let's go with older. Mm -hmm. Your demographic of Lincoln, they're Mm -hmm. on their phones all the time. All the time. There is such hateful stuff that can happen on social media Mm -hmm. that people don't have the guts to say to your face, but they don't have to anymore. How do you control
1: that? Well, that's the thing I say to him, and I do a big chunk on this in my act. I say, don't do anything on social media you wouldn't do in person. You know, um, would you go up to someone in person you didn't know and give them the most vile assessment of their character? Probably not. That's not who you are, you know. And I think it's a good habit to get into with everything, even superficial things. Like I I do a joke in my act about how people post pictures of their dinner on Facebook. I'm like, and if you really think back to like when we were kids, that would be considered the dumbest thing you could ever do. Like, you know, if you. But it's harmless. Of course. But I'm saying it. But if you go by that same guiding principle, like I said 20 years ago, if you were to take a picture of your dinner, go and get it developed. And then you had to drive back to a group of people and they're like, check out this lasagna. They'd be like, oh, that's a crazy person. Who is this person? But now we're just shouting it into the we're just shooting it into the crowd out of a T-shirt gun like lasagna. And, but we are when you think about it. So I always tell Lincoln to take two steps back from his phone and look around. And would you do the thing in this little screen that if you, it had to be done to everyone around you? And the answer is usually no.
0: But why are adults doing it then? Shouldn't we be? Uh, yeah, yeah mm. it's political currency in some situations. You get people talking about you. It's mm. PR and most situations whether that's positive or negative. But as adults we're not setting good role we're not being good role models.
1: No, the phone got a lot of people addicted to I call it digital dopamine. I think the like button is like the worst thing that ever happened to society. Because everything you consume now is, you know, it's preceded by some type of a like count. So you go, oh this is ten million likes. This must be something. And sometimes you're watching it's garbage. Sometimes it's good. But it absolutely influences our thought pattern and I think by default creates competition. Mm -hmm. and it makes everybody feel like in a roundabout way. They're suffering in comparison to somebody else at all times. Oh, you got 10,000 likes, but this guy got 30. Goodness gracious. And and I think it torments people, and I think some people don't know better, uh, because we are, in a weird way, a slave to these algorithms. We don't know what's behind them. Um, But I think a lot of people do want that digital dopamine. That comes from the phone, and the like count, and the Mm -hmm. validation. And it's crazy, because we're all, you know, competing for the adulation of strangers in most instances we'll never meet. And even when we're fighting, I always say this is a Former cab driver, I feel like Twitter is like you're road raging with someone who's not even on the same highway as you. It's weird. Like you're on Route 15 heading south. (laughs) I'm on Route 80 going west. And somehow we're in the fight of the century. I'm like, I'm not even on the I can't. Do you engage? Do you engage your critics? No. What I, I will always say, like if someone makes takes like a big pronounced F U, I'd be like, you know, you, you haven't read enough of my feed. Like, I don't do this, but I hope you feel better.
0: Okay. But so that, you do that, answer, but it's which very... Which is like p-
1: telling someone to feel better is like answer. telling someone to calm down. It gets yeah. them so much madder. And I got to work on that.
0: I, I just don't, eng- I don't answer. Yeah,
1: it's for the bad. I've noticed. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no.
0: I, you <laughs> know, it's, it's interesting. I'm actually like non-existent on social media. And, sure. I, and I'd say it's been a good year now.
1: Well, can I tell you, if you think of the history of social media, uh, 10 million people have lost their jobs on social media. There's only been one guy who ever got a job because of social media. That was president. It was Trump. It was a big job. But but aside from that, I mean, he probably lost it because of social media too. Huh. So there's really, you know, the yin and the yang of social media, like the risk versus reward, It's it's doing a lot more harm to professionals than good. No question.
0: Well, because everyone has a receipt for yes. everything that you do which Mm -hmm. could be twisted and held against you Mm -hmm. at any point in time.
1: No question. Twitter is not your friend. I tell the link man that all the time. I mean, the one upside to Snapchat is like, oh, you take- what about TikTok? Yeah, well, the same thing. But uh, he's like, yeah, you take a picture and it goes away. I'm like, oh, no, it doesn't. Would you stop it? We
0: were just on vacation and I just said I have a six, six and a half year old going on 16. Mm -hmm. And um, (laughs) some of her friends TikTok, I think it's completely unacceptable at that age. Anyway, we're at dinner on vacation And uh, she's oddly quiet and we turn around and she has my phone up like this. I know our listeners can't see me, but, you know, she has it standing up and she's doing these crazy dances as she's taking video of herself in my phone. (laughs) I think it's the best thing since sliced bread. We're like filming her from another phone just to view it. It didn't go anywhere. She doesn't have an account, Mm -hmm. but that was like her version in her head of her like TikTok videos. So I was scared for the future, but I was like, this is just so precious. Um, This is harmless. No one is going to see this except for the people I shared the video with. Mm -hmm. And how do we get back to that point?
1: Uh, Well, I think the creation, the creative process is what they're really addicted to as as kids. Hmm. So my son went through a phase where he was wearing a mask. He was monkey man. And everywhere we went, he would film his Monkey Man videos. Never really got to post them, but the fact that he got to do them got it out of his system. I think what you have to it do- and almost
0: kept it more pure. more yes, pure absolutely. Because he didn't have to worry about what other people said.
1: No, no question. And I think this is the trick. It's, it's like if you give them the access to do it, they'll realize how unimportant it is to do. You know, a good example of that I would give you is as a high school kid, if you had a curfew, you know, all you wanted to do was stay out till one in the morning. But then when you were allowed to stay out till one in the morning, you're like, oh, there's nobody out. There's like one guy. There's nothing going on. Like, this is terrible. Like, it was so much better at 1030. And <laughs> I think I think you got to do the same thing on TikTok. You got to give them the 1 a.m. curfew so they realize nobody's really doing it. And they'll back off eventually. Do
0: you think America will ever get its sense of humor back?
1: Yes, I think I, I do. I feel like we're turning a cultural corner right now because people are exhausted, not Not even from getting mad because most people didn't, but they spent a lot of time placating the angry. And nobody wants to placate them anymore. It's exhausting, and we all went through a phase of every word out of our mouth had to be vetted by this, you know, non-paying law firm in our head that functioned as standards and practices. I vet every word every I say. Every word almost. you say, and it's exhausting. It's like nobody it, it, nobody it, it, wants you're to really live in, in that the
0: street world. jacket, and then you know, <laughs> it's the worst. You're not. I think because <laughs> you could just say I'm a comedian. Yeah, I but can't say that. But
1: again, they'll still try to take it seriously. But I think uh, we've all just outgrown it. I think at the beginning, we placated it because we didn't know. We didn't know if we had to or not. Social mm-hmm. media was new. We were like, wow, everybody's mad at so and so. Some stranger I've never heard of, we're all calling for him to get fired. I guess I better get this guy fired. I don't know, they're gonna fire me. And he, some yeah. people either sat it out or played along, you know? But we're now at this point where we completely understand. We have so much data at our disposal as to who the caliber of people are mm-hmm. that are leading the outrage charge, and they're always the worst ones. They're always the worst ones. Anybody getting out of bed saying, like, you should be fired for doing a dumb thing on Twitter has done that thing on Twitter.
0: And maybe tell our kids. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate that your friend or someone you know said that about you. Mm-hmm. W- what should we tell them? The advice is:
1: Oh, I would just move on. I don't take any of it seriously. I tell Lincoln like, don't live in the moment, and uh, none of this stuff matters. Like you know, you got to learn to scale. Because kids yeah. take these slights as, like I said, this is a monster in dignity, I'll never recover, but what everybody needs to understand, back to the point of us being so self-absorbed, is that we are so self-absorbed that no one's thinking about you. Like, oh, you got insulted in the cafeteria? It doesn't matter. Not even the guy who said it to you is thinking about you. He's thinking about himself. <laughs> We're all living in an era of weapons-grade narcissism. <laughs> so it's like, you don't really have to worry about it. And everybody like trying to compete with everybody else, it doesn't matter. Because even if you catch up to the guy you've been chasing, it doesn't You'll quickly find out he wasn't paying attention to you because he's chasing some other guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And measuring his own success. So just yeah, do you boo? That's my advice. Final
0: thoughts. I I feel like the temperature Mm -hmm. rose. The age of the the the, you know the road rage got worse after the president, former president forty five, Trump is no longer on Twitter.
1: Yeah, isn't it bizarre? Right. It's the worst thing that ever happened to the Democrats. The reason it got worse, for real, is because Trump was kind of like the assignment desk and I, he got out of bed every morning. I he, love had these assigned, analogies. he had assigned what we would be talking about that day. Yes. Trump got up to pee at 3.30 in the morning. He tweeted something about a Saturday Night Live actress. I guess that's the A block on every show between now and noon. And away we went. <laughs> I
0: remember like, like rigorously trying to figure out what he was even talking about in yes. some instances because that determined uh-huh. your assignment for the yes, day. But you went desk. and did it.
1: He drove Twitter. Yep. And that's what we responded to. Elon with,
0: Musk was doing that now.
1: Absolutely is. And I, I think he's going to come to regret this in that he just took on a massive customer service gig in that when things start happening in the world, everyone's going to be tweeting like, Elon, what's up with this? What's (laughs) going on, Elon? You're going to watch his other companies tank because he's just too busy tweeting. I think he might regret it. But I think also with Trump gone really quick, because we don't have much of a compass politically, that everyone's just cannibalizing each other. It's it's really wild. But it's like someone once made a cartoon called Garfield minus Garfield, where they showed you what the comic strip would look like if it was just Odie and John, the owner. Mm -hmm. And it's really bizarre because they're talking about the same things without Garfield to bring the passion to lasagna or whatever the day's debate was. Yeah, and that's what Twitter is now. We're just like a weird ship without a rudder.
0: Is your wife naturally funny?
1: She's not. She's got real chops. Yeah, my 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 family is relentless and awful because they never stop making fun of each other. One in the morning, it's there's no end to it. Though they yeah. all have a good joke motor.
0: I'm I'm just thinking in my head what a podcast with your wife would be like.
1: Yo, so listen, I have her on the radio once in a while. She's got real chops. You know what we do on the radio? We open up the New York Times wedding announcements and we do this game called Will It Work? Where we read how, like, the couple met, how he proposed, what kind of marriage thing, you know, oh, kind man. of wedding they had. And then we offer an assessment over under five years, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's actually, no, Jenny's she's got some chops, man. She's the talent in the family. I'm just here with toys to distract people from the <laughs> fact that I don't really know what's going on. It's basically an Applebee's, but everybody's happy.
0: Jimmy Fallon fucks across America. The best. Thank you. Oh,
1: you're the greatest.